Hey, this is Jagger Haynes. You're listening to Friars on the Farm Podcast. Welcome to Friars on the Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan, and with me is Roy. Oh, oh man. Everybody's freaking out out there. Freaking out. Ladies How are and you? gentlemen, please calm down. This is only 15 games into the season. Please act rational. Right? Padres are 2-6 and six over their last eight games since the start of the Mets series. So they just got shut out twice, back-to-back yeah. games, and people are freaking out out there. Well, you know, and, and the, the eternal pessimist that I am, I, I think I tweeted, I went to the game last night and uh, I tweeted out that you don't have to squint too hard to see it getting swept here. Um, you know, the way the team is playing, the way the Braves, you know, how it kind of works. You you win the first series at their home and they come by and come back and they, you know, and they smoke you in, in your home series. So um, even if we do, even if we lose three, uh, the new era starts, you know, the final era of Fernando Tatis Jr. comes back on Thursday and I... I have some thoughts on that. What are your thoughts on him coming back on Thursday and what he's going to uh, do to the team? Well, first of all, today marks a new era in uh, Brett Sullivan coming to the majors. Congratulations, Brett Very Sullivan nice. getting the call up. Uh, unfortunate that Campusano had to, I guess he bruised his thumb or they say sprain or, or something like that. Uh, catching Nick Martinez between innings. But anyway, uh, I mean, Tatis, you're going to go over what Tatis did in El Paso, which is just <laughs> unreal. But he's a spark plug. He brings energy. He brings he brings emotion. He brings right. swagger. He brings all the stuff stuff that you that you see on the field, but then also the stuff that you can't put in a box score. So I think he's going to go straight to the lineup, the uh, the leadoff spot. Put him up there. Let his speed play. Let him get on base and start wreaking havoc. You get somebody on base in front of Juan Soto. Now you've got the infielders that have to space themselves out a little bit differently. Yeah. So then that opens up gaps for him. Um, yeah, there was a really good article that came out. Uh, a couple of good articles actually. It sounds like Juan Soto spent some time doing some interviews with some people. Um, but I mean, so Juan Soto, I was looking, he's been hitting a lot of ground balls to the right yeah. side. He's been trying to pull the ball. It's like, he's trying to drive in runs on his own. He's trying to be a one man wrecking crew. You get Tatis out there. Now you've got another weapon. Now he can relax a little bit and start going the other way. Like he's supposed to. Uh, and then somewhere along the way, Manny Machado is going to start looking like Manny Machado again. Jake Cronenworth has already started off pretty well. Xander Bogarts has been better than expected. Dude, he's Trent- been he man. Yeah. Trent Grisham has has plenty of pop. He's been showing that already. He's been better than last season so far. Um, I mean, so now it just it makes the the lineup deeper, but it brings the the energy, the flavor, yeah. the the passion, the swagger. All of that's going to come back right away. Well, you know, I, I kind of like you know when when we got Juan Soto, the kind of youthful energy, innocent energy, uh, with the underlying tones of an absolute dangerous hitter. Uh, Brings that kind of vibe, but then with Tatis now, you have this more, more electric, more um, wild cardy kind of just abundance of energy. I think that you get from Fernando Tatis. Well, when you see Juan Soto, he's smiling, he's friendly. I love that he likes to talk to guys. Um, I think they were talking to someone during the World Baseball Classic, and he's like Soto likes to talk to everyone. Um, it kind of screws with it, with him at the plate. Uh, well, with Tatis, you get this wild card. Now he's got a little bit of an edge. Uh, on to, to show the fans and uh, you know Major League Baseball in general that it wasn't just a fluke uh, that he's going to make his name and he's going to put his name back in the hat for MVP and being one of the brighter young stars in Major League Baseball. Um, couple that with a little bit of a bad boy image with the PED suspension, which happened when he was was in February of the you know February of the year that they announced it. Well, he wasn't cheating. At the very least, he was trying to get back uh, a little sooner, if that's if you want to go with that kind of mindset. But there is that energy that he brings. I love it. Right. Absolutely. So a couple of good quotes have dropped out in the last couple of days. Uh, so Manny Machado, um, AJ Casavell tweeted this out. He said, quote, I'd rather this happen now than down the road. Uh, Manny Machado said of the offense's slow start. And for anyone who would read too much into 18 games, quote, it's just don't jump on the bandwagon later on when we start effing raking <laughs> and doing what we're supposed to be doing. And I love it. It's like, get on the bandwagon now yeah. while it's while you can, because this team's going to be good. It's just a matter of time. So guys get comfortable. 
Um, I don't know what's going on with Manny. You look at Soto, his underlying numbers all suggest that he should be hitting for average. He should be hitting for power. He's getting on base a ton. It's just some bad luck, it looks like. Uh, Manny, I see him missing a lot of balls that he's normally punishing. Um, He's swinging at the right pitch. He's He's just not doing the damage that he usually does. Uh, I don't know if it's a timing thing, if there's a mechanics, whatever, so, who knows? Well, and he's hitting the uh, ball it's hard. Just a, it's just a matter of time. He's going to, yeah. he's going to get it. Yeah. And all that matters is he's hitting the ball hard. The exit velocities are there. Uh, you keep doing that. Those balls will start falling and they will start going over the fence and we'll get right back on track. Um, I, I thought, you know, just one game, like one game I went and saw him last night. Um, I thought there was a little bit of frustration in just kind of his demeanor, but I'm uber sensitive and like, looking for any kind of uh, thing. Uh, he hit a ball last night, and he barely even got halfway down the line before he walked back to the dugout. Um, so, you know, there's that. But pressing, if you want to call that pressing, I don't know. But it just seemed like he might have been a little bit of a little bit frustrated. But, you know, that's just me reading into reading the tea leaves of nothing that I have no idea of what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? I've, if, if Tatis hits the ground running, then that takes all the pressure off yeah. of those two guys. Because then you've got – Number one in your lineup thumping. You've got number three in the four, wherever uh, Bogarts lands, he's going to be hitting. And then the guys in between can just relax and do their thing and be who they are. Yeah. Um, and, and then the other part is that now that number nine hitter isn't going to be Jose Zocar, Brandon Dixon, Rugnet Odor. It's going to be, you know, it just, it lengthens that lineup a little bit more. Yeah. It's going to be Trent Grisham or Hassan Kim, probably yeah. somebody who can get on base, somebody who can move a runner over. And now the article that came out with uh, SI um, Soto mentioned that he likes to be in a place where he can drive in runs. And to me, that tells me he wants to make money. He wants to drive his right. future salary. He knows that that's where the money's at is in generating runs. Um, so, and then also in that article, they talked about the, uh, you know, the the extension uncertainty that he doesn't yeah. know what his long-term future is um, and how he wanted to work something out with the nationals, but they started like negotiating in public. He didn't like that. And they shut it all down. Yeah. Padres don't work like that. Uh, you know, Preller works in the shadows. So if they work out a deal, we're not going to hear about it until it's done. Right. I'd like to think that they're working on it. And then once something is known, then Machado or uh, Soto can just relax a little bit more. You yeah. know, I'm not the, worried long-term about these guys. No, absolutely not. The The tail of the tape is they will produce and they'll end up producing sooner rather than later. Um, for I sure. also liked, well, and then you add for, you know, for the team, you add on Saturday, start with Joe Musgrove. He'll be back. Like the next yes. lengthen out the, the rotation, you know, the first thing, just think of last night's game, the first inning last night, I'm like, fuck. You know, he he gave it the two-run ball. I'm like, okay, here we go. God, come on, Weathers. He locked it down for the rest of the game. He did. Like, now, he he loaded the bases twice. Yeah. And at least one of those times, he needed a double play to get him out. Uh, But, I mean, overall, it was, what, six innings of, of two-run baseball, and you'll take that from any of your starters. Yeah, yeah he wasn't hitting 97. He topped out at 94. Uh, you know, sat more like 91, 93, but the changeup was working. And and they were swinging, either swinging over or they were grounding out. And um, I, I just really liked what I saw from him last night because it was started out pretty rough. Okay, so then I got a question for you. Uh, Joe Musgrove comes back to the rotation. Now that they're going to be past this 18 games in 18 days, 23 games in 24 days, whatever it was, uh, there's talk about going back to a five-man rotation. So does Ryan Weathers go to the bullpen? Does he go to El Paso and stay on a starters routine? What would you do? That's a really good question. Because well, with the stipulation in Nick Martinez's contract is it's it's structured where he does he gets either you know money for being in the bullpen or money for the amount of starts. Um, he did so. Martinez did so well in the bullpen, and I thought Ryan Weathers struggled a little bit out of the bullpen last year. So if you know. Depending on what Martinez does in his next start or the next couple starts, that that could be where maybe he comes back and when there's the time, they'll bring him another six-man rotation. I don't know if they're going to stick with the five all the way through, but I, I think, you know, for from a, a performance standpoint, you kind of got to give it to Ryan Weathers. But as a as a as a multiple-year contract with Nick Martinez and a veteran, uh, you kind of got to give it to Nick. I, you know, I, well, so you've got Darvish, Snell, Musgrove, Lugo, Martinez. I I think that they wind up going with that for a little bit. And I agree with you. I think you take Weathers, you put him back in El Paso and say, 
keep working as a, as a, a starter, stay on that routine, stay on that preparation. Um, and if somebody has to go to the bullpen, Nick makes sense. Cause Lugo has been the better starter. Yeah. He's been one of the best three starters. I'll say two or three starters for the Padres. Uh, at some point they need to talk about load management. You know, how many innings, how many yeah. appearances, how much can you get out of these guys? Cause uh, you know, neither of them were starters all season last year. Lugo hasn't been a starter for what? Five, six years. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, it's just fun to have conjecture. Um, so there was another <laughs> quote that came out that I loved. Peter I love Seidler this. is at the SBJ World Congress of Sports. And I don't know how the topic came up, but he said, there will never be another fire sale in San Diego. And I expect my family to own the franchise for another 50, 75 years. Hopefully go for more. I'll talk from the grave. And now every Padres fan in San Diego is running through a wall for this man. Yeah. Again, like he's just, you know, the money that he's put up for the team, uh, the quotes that are coming out, out of him whenever he's asked about the sustainability, is it stay, you know, is it sustainable to not? Um, there's a risk in not doing something. Um, so refreshing than what we got from Uncle Ron, because Uncle Ron was such the businessman where it was always doom and gloom. I never knew what a cash call was until I followed my, you know, until I heard the owner of my baseball team say what it was. Right. Um, you know, so he's saying that all the right things, he's pulling all the right levers, he's spending all the right money. Um, and that's what you want to hear from your owners. Like we're, I'm here for the long haul and I'm not going to wait till there's a 3 billion market cap for the team and sell off. Uh, he wants to bring a, a world series trophy to San Diego in the meanest way. And it's just another way of, just another reason why I'd run through the wall for the guy. Absolutely. Now, so you were there on a Monday. Uh, granted, it was the Braves, a playoff contender, and Braves fans travel fairly well. They did. Uh, but you go back three, four years, and on a Monday, they might draw 10, 15,000 people to the ballpark. What was the energy like at the ballpark yesterday on a Monday night? It was. I, I was talking this about Liddy to, to Liddy. I said there was about 35 there. Maybe about 35. The whole bowl was full. Um, all Toyota Terrace was full. The outfield, except for that, you know, the extreme right field. And then the 300s was about maybe a, a, a 40% full. So I guess right around, you know, right around 35,000 people. There were lines out the door for all the food. We got there early to make sure that didn't happen. Um, the, it was electric. Um, the, I like Brave fans. They're not, you know, they're they're pretty tolerable. The guy that sat behind us, <laughs> um, it's funny because the there are two couples behind us. And both the boyfriends, or you know, one would look younger, like a boyfriend. One was a husband, and then the two girls that were Padre fans sat in between them. You know, and as the game went on, and they, they kept cheering, and I turned around and like, "Couldn't you guys be sitting next to each other?" And they both pointed to the women. <laughs> I gave them the big old heart pump. Thank you, thank you. Keep those boys apart. Now we got um, a lot of new fans in the ballpark, and yeah. so what? A couple of things that I've noticed, and stuff that we've always kind of given a hard time for the fans up the road a fly ball is hit to like mid center field and there's immediate screams. As soon as the ball takes off, Whoa, wait, hold on, right. calm down. It's a can of corn. It's not leaving the yard. And then the other part are the booze. So in the first inning, I'm sure you heard this after that two run home run. I'm you could hear it on the broadcast. There were some booze raining down for Ryan and it's like, you know what? let's reserve the boo until it's later in the game. And somebody's yeah. really looking bad. I don't like booing guys in general, unless I have some personal vendetta. Uh, no. I mean, but I figure these are all guys out there doing their best, trying to, to win the game. I mean, mistakes happen. Um, you know, so Ryan left a pitch in the wrong spot to somebody. What did he do? He went on and pitched five more innings and held him scoreless yeah. for those. Yeah. Well, and the funny thing is the farthest hit ball was that ball by Juan Soto hit the center field that right off the bat, you're like, dad, if it keeps going, but it was a little damp last night, but the farthest hit ball was a ball that didn't leave the yard. Right. Yeah. It's been pointed out that Soto's had like three or four uh, that would have been a home run in certain other ballparks. Um, and those will come. It's also part of his approach that his approach is to hit it up the middle. He's trying to yeah. hit line drives in the middle third of the ballpark. He's not somebody who's trying to pull the ball all the time. So right now it looks like he's trying to pull it a little bit more. If you look at his, his scatter chart, he's hit a lot of ground balls to the right-hand side. Yeah. But once he starts getting into that, it, once he starts trusting that he can go the other way and if he gets one up high enough, it's going to go. Yeah. I, I don't know if, if that's in his mind or, or what's going on there, but yeah, the, the cool damp air in the evenings also doesn't help. And let's, let's move on here in a minute here, but I, I thought I saw a tweet somewhere where he had said, 
everyone can see what's wrong with what I'm doing wrong, but no one can tell me how to fix it. Did you see that quote? I saw something to that extent. And he, so he, he acknowledged that he's at his best when he's, he's hitting line drives over the shortstop. Like that's his bread and butter, which is kind of what Tony Gwynn. And I've seen people say that if, if you took Tony Gwynn and you put him in 2022 baseball, 2023 baseball, he would look a lot like Juan Soto with the elite, strike zone understanding uh, the understanding what a pitcher's trying to do and the bat control and, and enough power to make it hurt. Um, so yeah, he knows that he's rolling over on a lot of pitches. He knows that it's best for him to go the other way. So apparently he was doing some, uh, some hitting drills with Scott Coolbaugh, uh, one of the co uh, hitting coaches right now where he was doing like soft toss, but coming from like a 90 degree angle to really uh-huh. accentuate letting the ball get deep and feel like you're, you know, trying to go the other way with it. Um, he's been around long enough. I mean, Juan Soto's only, what, 23 years old, but yeah. he knows what he's doing well enough that he, I think he has an idea of what he's trying to do and what he needs to do to get back there. It's just, he's got some distractions. Yeah. The time clock is messing with him. Um, you know, there's a lot of pressure and all of this. So it's, it's just a-, a matter of getting comfortable and feeling yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. But let's move on to what we're here for. We're here for minor league baseball. Yes, yes we are. <laughs> the major league minute to turn into major league 15. Um, real quick, this just came out today with, um, I tweeted, I saw the tweet from Kyle Glazer, but the MLB has announced three new rule changes that will be tested in the Atlantic league. So in, in the Indy league, they're going to, they're going to designate, there's a, they're going to test out, uh, dude, a designated pinch runner. That's all the rec ball, dude. Like I haven't, I haven't ran the bases for years because I've like I get on base, runner, um, and then the pitchers can only step off the rubber once instead of twice. Now that's getting a little extreme. That's absolutely getting extreme because sometimes that second pickoff, and you saw it last night in the game, that second pickoff gets you. Yeah, it seems like they found some good ideas, and now they're like, okay, let's just dial it up to eleven. Right, and that's a little bit too much for me. And then the, the the last one here is teams lose their DH if their starter doesn't complete at least five innings. Now that's it's ridiculous because um, sometimes you know early in the season guys aren't built up. Um, sometimes guys just get don't have the stuff and they lose it. You know they're the last inning, two innings, three innings. Like that's no punishment for the team when your pitchers just get shelled. It happens to almost every pitcher every year. Um, it's just ridiculous. Like turning it up to 11 just seems so kind of foolish. Yeah, I, I agree with that I, I, to a certain. So the designated pinch runner is an interesting kind of an idea. Um, and it makes sense from a developmental standpoint in the minor leagues to me. So you've got somebody that hustles to first base. And for whatever reason, from either strategically you want to put a runner on, or maybe you saw something and you want to get him off the field. And then once you get him off the field, he's okay. And he can go back out and continue to play on defense. So Tom Tango is a, a, a baseball sabermetrician that's been around for ages. And he pointed out that there used to be a thing called the courtesy runner uh, up until the fifties where a runner could come back. It could, a runner, the batter could leave the field to play. A runner could come on, and then the fielder, the the batter, could go back right. on as a fielder later in the game. Um, and this used to be a thing for decades in baseball. So that sounds kind of like what they're talking about here. Yeah. So in the minors, I don't mind it. In the majors, it seems a little bit, a little bit circus yeah. to me. Very, um, very, very circus. And then the DH, uh, Jason Stark has called that the what does he call that the the double hook or something like that. <laughs> the double DH. Yeah, I saw it. I, I just can't remember. And so I guess the the incentive is to try to get your starter to make it farther into the game. But then you're penalizing. It's like you're penalizing one thing for another. It doesn't. Right. The give and take doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. No. So, you know, maybe it's maybe it's something for a banana ball. Maybe they'll do that. The Savannah bananas. But uh, I, I don't know. It, it's it, it's yeah. the independent. The, the Atlantic League is going to be the playground where they're going to mess with rules and the yeah. stuff that sticks, we're going to see it bubble up. But I don't think, I don't think that stuff's going to, Yeah, I, I don't know like, that any of these are going to go anywhere. Maybe the designated pinch runner is something that they do in the low minors just for like roster management standpoint. Right, right, right. Um, so that's where that is, but check it. I, I, I remember this game happening. We're going to move on to this next story. Um, 
the trash pandas. I, I love the trash pandas. I, I followed them since the very beginning. They are a part of well, they're they're family of the old mobile bay bears. Um, there's no longer mobile team team of mobile, but the trash pandas are right next door. I, I can't remember exactly what the city is, but it's in the same area. Um, this came from Jason Stark from a game earlier last week. They're in Marble- Madison, Alabama. Right. Yes. Yes. Uh, where I guess there's some there's some history with um with rockets and obviously Alabama there must be a big raccoon population. <laughs> well, you've got you got Huntsville, Alabama, right next to that. I think it may be the next county over is okay. where you got Huntsville, Alabama, where NASA has a huge manufacturing facility. So the Rocket City Trash Band has pulled off the rare feat of throwing a no hitter and allowing seven runs. Also allowing all seven of those runs in the same unfortunate inning. Like this is Jason Stark's wheelhouse. He must <laughs> love this stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but but also doing that in the last inning of a seven inning game because it was the first game of a doubleheader. All right. So quote: We didn't really realize how big a deal it was until it was the lead on Sports Center ahead of the Masters. Trash Pandas manager Andy Shatsley said. Now the Trash Pandas are an affiliate of the Angels. Last year they won their league by a long shot, and this year they're again supposed to be a powerhouse in that league. Uh, so it's not like these guys stink. It's just right. weird things happen in the minors. So. <laughs> How is it even possible to give up seven runs in one inning but not allow a hit? Woo, I thought you'd never ask. Here's how. Walk. A walk. An infield fly rule pop-up. There's one out. A walk. Strikeout. Two outs. A walk. Here comes one run. A three-run error on the center fielder. Now we're at four runs. And this was one that just clanked off the guy's glove. And it was such a can of corn that the other fielders weren't even coming over to back him up. It was just an easy, right there, bounced off. Okay, so then you bring in a new pitcher. Hit by pitch, hit by pitch, hit by pitch. Oh, my gosh. Oh, okay. Now we're at five runs. Uh, Another walk brings in another run. And then a run-scoring wild pitch for the seven. A hit by pitch and a strikeout to end the inning. Unreal. That's unreal. It has to go into, like, that inning has got to be a part of every single blooper reel for the rest of, you know, in, in a very abbreviated version with a little bit of a context in the beginning. And then it fast forwarded to like, walk, walk, if it'll pop up, walk, strike out, walk, run, you know, all that just has to be done. Yeah. The whole blooper reel. Yeah, and imagine being the manager sitting there on the bench, watching all this unfold. Uh-huh. And then you bring in another pitcher and he plunks three guys. It's like, there is nothing. <laughs> There's just some vortex of bad luck going on right now that this is your, your punishment. So Jason Stark wanted to know how weird, wild and historic is it to give up seven runs and a no hitter? Oh, about as weird, wild and as historic as you think. No major league team has ever done it anyway. The record for most runs in the modern era in a game in which a team gave up no hits, that would be only four in the Andy Hawkins game on July 1st, 1990. So that was when Hawkins was pitching for the Yankees after his time in San Diego. Um, Same kind of thing where it was a bunch of walks and hit by pitches and sacrifice flies and a couple Uh. of errors in there and just a mess. But what about the minor league? Of course, it's happened before in the minor leagues because everything's happened in the minor leagues. Yeah. But in this case, only once. That was the long-lost Pony League on August 31st, 1948, when Lewis Blackmore of the Wellsville Red Sox had quite a day and a 7-5 hit-free loss to Lockport. According to the great no-hitter historian Dirk Lammers of nonohitters.com, Blackmore doled out <laughs> 17 walks that day. Yep, 17. Here's the part that uh, Tim Haggerty will appreciate. Yeah. Then again, he might have been distracted by a third-inning skunk delay. <laughs> According to an account in the Buffalo News that Lammers passed along, quote, the skunk explored the center of the diamond, then exited via left field while spectators and players threw missiles, but not got no hits. <laughs> How about that for 1948 sports writing brilliance? You're welcome. Now back to our regularly scheduled Trash Pandas programming. And, and everything, everything about that was all about the 1948 minor leagues. Lewis Blackmore of the Wellsville Red Sox had quite a day. <laughs> Lost to Lockport, according to the great no-hitter historian Dirk Lammers uh, of no-no-hitters.com. Like, that's all that right there is completely so 1948 over the can radio announcer voice. And that's... And I love that he says that everybody was trying to throw stuff at the skunk, but nobody hit him. (laughs) 
So that's going to be uh, on his second book. That'll go in, in Tim Haggerty's second books. Right. I hope he's taking notes already. <laughs> well, All right. Hey. Well, we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to be right back with the Affiliate Rundown. All right, and we're back for the affiliate rundown. Uh, let's start with the storm. Strike one. And the Wednesday, the storm roster features multiple college products, but one of their best players is young in this young season has been infielder, my guy, Rossman Verdugo. The 18-year-old from Ensenada has hit safely in four to five games this season, including his first three-hit game of the season Wednesday. He was one of the bigger name signings in last year's international class and so far has shown exactly why the Padres are so high on him. The top remaining signing uh, from the year before, center fielder Samuel Zavala, looks to be heating up. This is his second game in a row with a hit and with a walk, has now reached base safely in seven times in the last three games. Yeah, that just kind of highlights how how short of a season it's been so far. Yeah. Yeah. A, little, a little patience. Yeah. Okay, for strike two, on Friday, Jagger Haynes made his professional debut Friday night, functioning as the opener. He threw a scoreless inning before passing the baton to the bullpen. Haynes, age 20, was drafted by the Padres in the shortened 2020 draft at a high school in Cerro Gordo, North Carolina. He had Tommy John surgery in 2021 and missed the last two seasons. Since he hasn't pitched competitively in three seasons, the organization will surely monitor his innings. Rosman Verdugo's bases clearing triple in the eighth inning played at the only runs they needed. The triple extended Verdugo's hitting streak to four games. The 18-year-old opened some eyes last season in the ACL, where he showed intriguing power, leading the club in homers. Uh, despite being one of the youngest players in the California League, Verdugo is off to a 308-333-500 start this season. Good, yeah, yeah, I think he's going to be an impact player. Uh, funny thing is, um, you know, with all the talk of Tatis going up to Lake Elsinore today. Um, we, I told Liddy's friend, Eric, I'm like, Tatis is going to be there on Tuesday. He's got three kids. He spent like 200 bucks in storm tickets. Um, and then later on, I, you know, we find out you DM the, the tweaks that wasn't around my phone, um, that he wasn't going to be, he was going to be, you know, standing here in San Diego and I had to tell him like, look, dude, he's not going to be there. And then today I'm like, what do Pomeranz will be, make sure you're there for the beginning of the game. Um, <laughs> But what yeah. a what a consolation gift, right? <laughs> oh, hey, Drew Pomeranz, yay! No well, offense hope... to Drew Pomeranz, but that's a big downgrade from Tatis. It, it is, and no offense to Drew Pomeranz, but it quite possibly could be the only time anyone sees him pitch um, this season. But that's being a little mean, and I I just mean that all in jest, right? Wrap him in bubble wrap. <laughs> right. Everybody says when the when the Padres announced, oh, hey, he'll make a rehab appearance today. All the replies to it are like, oh, I've got to see it to believe it. You know, I've talked to a few people like, who's somebody paying attention to? And and like, also, I'm like, well, you know, there's Russell Verdugo, there's Robbie Snelling, like none of the big names that were, were that, you know, you would be familiar with. But, you know, like your Ethan Salas is or your Dylan Hell, I don't even think people don't even know about Dylan Lesko yet. Um, there are some several great names to, to go to see up in Lake Elsinore. And I'm going to talk about him here uh, in strike three. Right. But the thing is, they're guys that haven't made their name yet. Right. Right. Yeah. They're, this is their first step in affiliated ball. And so they haven't really established themselves. They're not known commodities, you know, unless you're really paying attention to these prospect lists. And you're going to see him first there in Lake Elsinore. So Saturday, the Storm took their first loss of the season, despite a strong start from friend of the podcast now, Robbie Snelling, the lefty who the Padres selected out of the Reno High School with their second pick in last year's draft, worked three scoreless frames in the second professional outing, matching the total from his debut last week. The 19-year-old, working with a fastball in the mid-90s, has struck out eight while allowing just two hits in his first six innings of the year. Now, he is going to, like, with the velo and the off and the quality of his off speed stuff, I I see him making fairly quick work of a ball. Uh, with him, it's going to be durability. You know, obviously they're going three innings as the season goes along. I'm sure they're going to extend him a little bit more. But once again, these guys are always going on not necessarily a pitch limit, but it's like you want to be able to move that talent along kind of slowly this early in the season, especially with someone in, in Robbie's caliber. But Griffin Dorshing, who had a single and a double on the day, was the only storm batter to collect multiple hits. The big man is looking for his first homer of the year after connecting for eight and 25 games with Elsinore at the end of last season. 
Prior to this game, the Storm had won five in a row. So they won the first five games. Bam. Yeah, they're seven and two. Um, and it looks like uh, Drew Pomeranz should be taking the mound right about now as we speak. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, so moving on to Fort Wayne. Strike one on Thursday, the Fort Wayne Tin Caps secured their first victory of the season with a five-run comeback. Jackson Merrill hit his first home run of the season and finished the night three for four. Starter Jairo Iriarte once again showed flashes of dominance, sitting down the first six he faced, four of which came on strikeouts. Now, he's one of these guys. It's like an electrifying. He's got the stuff that'll blow people away. And then at some point, he'll start to lose his command and the game will get out of hand on him. And so finding that consistency is something that seems to take guys some time to develop. Yeah, absolutely. He's still only, I think he's 19 years old. Might might be 20. If you squint, he might be 20. Um, so even in high A, there's still lots of time, lots of development that needs to go with these guys. Um, and going into strike two Friday was Victor Lizarraga, made his Park View, uh, Park View Field debut and turned in a much better effort than a season debut. The 19-year-old allowed just one earned run across four innings on three hits. His fastball command was solid, and he threw a few sliders, a wrinkle he shoved last year in Lake Elsinore. He threw 53 pitches, 32 for strikes. Joshua Mears had a pair of hits for a second straight night, including a hard hit double to center and an RBI single. Mears has been hitting at the bottom of the order to take off pressure, uh, take pressure off the young slugger. So far, he's punched out 30% of the plate appearances this season. In 52 games last season with Fort Wayne, Mears struck out 43% of the time. So he's, you know, in an early showing, not striking out as much. And that, and hopefully we'll continue to go down, but the strikeouts with Josh are always going to be there. Right. They just need to be down at a manageable point. Yeah, absolutely. So now Lizarraga, it said that uh, the slider was something that he shelved last year in Lake Elsinore. Was he throwing more curveballs? Is that I, what I recall? I, I think that and changeup. Yeah. Okay. All right. So moving on to strike three, the tin caps walked it off in dramatic fashion. With two outs on the bottom of the ninth inning, center fielder Jacob Marcy plated left fielder Justin Farmer from second base with a single to right field to win it. Farmer had just tied the game with an RBI double to bring home third baseman Carlos Luis. Fort Wayne had played at seven in the fifth inning, six coming with two outs. The big left-handed hitting Carlos Luis smoked a towering grand slam for the first homer of the year uh, before Justin Farmer added a two-run blast. Luis, 23, reached base five times on the day and is off to a hot start after ending his year at Fort Wayne last year. The corner defender has drawn four walks and struck out just twice in his first 20 trips to the plate. Farmer, who doubled with two outs in the ninth, then scrambled home on Jacob Marcy's game-winning single. Uh, He he has only five hits on the year, but all five have gone for extra bases. The 24-year-old, who signed as an undrafted free agent out of Florida International in 2021, swiped 40 bases and had double-digit totals in doubles and homers for Lake Elsinore last year. And we saw a lot of Jacob Marcy in the spring training games, so I have a feeling that the organization is fairly high on him. Yeah. So then finally, Adam Mazur's second start didn't go as well as his first. Last year, the Padres' second-round pick cruised through the first two frames uh, of strikeouts with a pair of strikeouts and four ground balls, but was charged with three earned runs on five hits. Won a pop fly that could have ended the inning, but eluded Luis at third base. He tossed 56 pitches, 38 for strikes, as the club brings him along slowly in his first professional season. Yeah, and that's the you know first professional season for for him. So you know we're going to cheer the we're going to triumph the the successes, and we're going to just let the development go by for sure. Absolutely. So, so we got co- some audio from yeah. the, uh, from the call on the, uh, the game winning hit. It's number 11, Jacob Marcia farmer, great speed at second to right field. That's down for a hit. Farmers coming home. He Drogo's throw offline. Farmer slides in safe and the tin caps walk off and a wild one. Jacob Marcy wins it. 12-11 the final. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to San Antonio. Strike one. Tuesday, Tris Ornelas had a double, homer, and two runs scored. Ornelas is back for his second sit in the Alamo City after a 2022 campaign in which he posted league average numbers offensively. The 23-year-old, now he's still 23. Got it. It just seems like he's been in the organization since he was, what, 16. And he has. But, uh, God, it just seems like, you know, so long ago. Uh, the 23-year-old has shown a good approach at the plate, but hasn't been able to consistently hit the ball in the air. He had the sixth-highest ground ball rate, uh, 49.4% in the league a season ago. In the very early going, he is hitting the ball in the air into the middle of the field more than he ever has in his career. 
Did you see the clip from the first home run that he hit? I did not. He's he pimped that thing. He knew it right off the bat. He okay. stood there and kind of watched it for a second. And it's like, it's, I like seeing the guys, you know, have, yeah. have that feeling, you know, feel that yeah. confidence, that swagger that they get in them. Bringing the, bringing that, uh, yeah. Bringing the confidence, bringing the swagger is, is great, particularly for Terso. I, I, we, it, you know, the organization was so high on him for so long and we were so hopeful uh, still just 23 in double a, he has plenty of time to, to be, you know, something of what we expected of him was going to be a power hitting outfielder. For sure. Yeah, Corey Howe bounced back from a rough opening series and delivered a pair of singles for his first hits of the season. The 24-year-old outfielder went over 13 with eight punch-outs in Tulsa. Strike two. I ended on, Friday, <laughs> on Friday, right-hander Duncan Snyder's second start of the year didn't go quite as well as the first. Snyder got knocked around, allowing four runs on eight hits, walking three, and striking out three. The 25-year-old pitched well down the stretch last year for the Storm after signing with the organization out of the American Association. And I remember that last year. He'd look yeah. good, and then he'd get roughed up. And then yeah. he'd look good, and then he'd get roughed up. Um, but, it, you know, that all comes with development. It's like you you want to see the good and, right. and focus on that and, and develop that. Uh, so infielder turned pitcher Justin Lopez. He's going to be one of the interesting stories to follow this year because he yes. sounds like he could move quick if this works. Uh, so he took over for Snyder and recorded five outs. Lopez left all three runners he inherited, stranded in the fourth. He struggled in the fifth, walking two and allowing a single, but escaped the jam once again. The 22-year-old punched out three and has twirled a pair of scoreless outings for the mission to start the season. In 13 career innings as a pitcher, Lopez has given up one run and struck out 15. And I saw somebody say that he has, like, when when um, um, Javi Lopez transitioned from shortstop to pitcher, he had that natural run on his fastball, and he could touch 100 miles an hour. It sounds like Lopez has similar ability as far as velocity, but even yeah. filthier stuff. Ooh. I know, right? Yeah, well, and who did we see just last uh, the last series with the Brewers? Javi Guerra, another converted shortstop. Right, right. Yeah, former Padre. That's yeah. yeah, that's the guy. It's kind of weird seeing former Padres come back and do good things against the Padres. Well, bad for the Padres. Hey, yeah. I, that always makes me a little sour. And and I think he gave up like he walked like two guys. <laughs> we felt bad. We want him to do well. Like we want those guys that convert, particularly late in their or, you know late in their minor league career. But certainly, um, he wanted to do well. I can think of one exception, Matt Bush. Yeah, we saw him in that series too. Yeah, I really. I'll, I I'll save my thoughts for off off the the record. Right. Uh, that's why. Yeah. That's, that's why, folks. Most of the scouting that happens. They see the product on the field. They want to know what's in the player's head, like right. makeup, psychology, talking to people that he knows, talking to family, talking to coaches, talking to friends, doing that background, not necessarily a background check on the player. Is he going to do well failing? Like that's the biggest thing about, you know, about everyone that's in professional baseball is they're more than likely the best guy on their team. And they're more than likely been really good for a really long time and has never really encountered failure you it starts becoming your job now. If I failed nearly a quarter as much as these guys do in their you know their development, that I do at my job, like I wouldn't have a job. So it's so hard to to succeed in this in this you know in baseball that it matters. And you know, with him, he got a bunch of money, little immaturity, and one thing led to another, and it took him to jail. You know, but but kudos for him for putting it back together getting a chance and making the best and he's done well. He's been pitching for the past, what, four years. Right. Right. Yeah. I came, I think he came up with the Rangers. Yeah. But anyway, take us to strike three. So strike three Saturday, the mission set a season high in hits. Corey Howe. Now, now there's not a lot. Double A is full of minor league free agents. There's going to be a few guys in there that we know your Chandler Stiglers, your, uh, you know, your Tissero analysis, like those guys, you're going to hear a lot about, um, but guys like Corey Howe, and and Jay, you know, like Jay Grubin, in sorry, in El Paso, but there's not a lot of prospects from the draft from the Padres drafted in Double A. So the team isn't that good, and I hate to say that, you know, out loud. The team isn't that good, so we're going to have to pick our battles and pick our highlights as they come. Hey, they might uh, surprise you. We hope. Let, let's hope they do. But anyways, I digress. The mission said a season high and hits uh, Corey Howe, the top position prospect on the roster, who had just one extra base hit in his first 25 at-bats in the young season, collected a double and a triple on the night. The 24-year-old made his second start of the year in right field and has appeared in center in his 
in his other five games. Chandler Siegel, whose defense will always be his calling card, hit an opposite field ground roll double and an RBI single in four trips to the plate. The 26-year-old getting a bulk of the action behind the plate is off to a hard start, going 313, 389, 375 start of the year. Now, Corey's a top 30 prospect in our system, and I believe he was either released by the Tampa Bay Devil Rays or are we we got him in a trade. I'm not sure how we got Corey Howe, but he's been with us last year. I believe it was him that won the batting title, yeah? I be- yeah, I believe it was he was a minor league free agent. That's how he came across. Okay. Um, now we have, uh, I want to, I want to testify. We have signs of life. Uh, Drew Pomerantz has pitched one complete inning. He has oh. one strikeout, uh, right now, Lake Elsinore is up in the bottom of the inning. They've already scored two runs. So the offense is doing their thing. Uh, Griffin Dorshing hit a double and knocked a couple of guys in. Uh. Okay. So, uh, let's take it to El Paso to wrap this up. All right. So strike one. Thursday, Jay Groom had a bounce-back outing, twirling six innings, allowing two earned runs on six hits with five strikeouts and one walk. He allowed six earned runs in his opening day start. And again, that's where you highlight that this is AAA. These are AAA stats. These are Pacific Coast League stats. I don't know what you can read and what you can believe. That's why they scout these games and don't just look at the numbers. Uh, Jorman Rodriguez hit two home runs and drove in six, while Fernando... uh, Tatis Jr., who you'll tell us about, hit three homers and a double, racking up eight RBIs. Uh, so, Jorman Rodriguez, I didn't realize he had shoulder surgery right after he came to the Padres organization uh, back in, I think it was 2019. Um, but now that he's healthy and and he's got an opportunity, especially if Brett Sullivan is going to spend significant yeah. time with the Padres, um, Jorman Rodriguez is a catcher, but he can play some third base, some first base, and the guy can hit. So, yeah. he's a guy to keep your eye on. We got him in the minor league rule five draft. Right. And we picked him up. Uh, okay. So strike two Friday after a solid spring in his, in his return to the Padres organization as a minor league free agent, Anderson Espinosa struggled in his first two starts. Friday things went into a different problematic direction. After laboring through the first inning, Espinosa was ejected following the umpire's check for a foreign substance. It appeared the issue focused on an area in Espinosa's wrist, where he had gone with the rosin bag several times as he struggled to escape the inning. The righty loaded the bases on a pair of singles and a walk before battling to get out of the frame on 25 pitches. Quote, his last outing in spring was outstanding. He went five innings against the same pitcher and was outstanding. So I was manager, new manager, Philip Wellman. Tonight he struggled with command of all his stuff and couldn't find anything he could throw over the plate with any consistency. He just has to keep working. He'll get there. So the 25-year-old was hit with a mandatory 10-game suspension after the ejection in 2021. The, the first season, they started doing the checking, and Espy was in, in Fort Wayne. He was and one they, of the first guys in all of baseball to get popped right, for that. Right, And so he got a 10-game suspended, you know, suspension. Um, back then, so it, it came out back in, you know, in 2021 that it was rosin, sweat, and sunscreen. So that's kind of like the... You know, that's the that's the best way to explain it. Like, I'm not trying to cheat, but I'm maybe trying to get a little bit of grip on the ball. I mean, um, at the time, people were doing that everywhere. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, we sit out in the bullpen and you would see they'd have that can of uh, of uh, bullfrog <laughs> and they just spray it all over their arm. And then they take the <laughs> rosin bag and dab, 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 dab. And they get their arm nice and sticky. And but they're using the substances that they have available to them right there. It's yeah. not like they're taking spider tack or whatever that other stuff right. is. But still, then they they started to put a limit on it. They said you can't do any of that stuff. You just have to go out there with what you got, and 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 go from there. So I mean, it's disappointing to hear him get caught a second time for this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, particularly when he he did he had a great spring, and we're like, all right, here we love and go. Yep. But we all know we want to talk about Fernando Tatis Jr. when he was in, in El Paso. And this came from the play-by-play announcer uh, from the Isotopes. This is uh, Fernando's Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday uh, stat line. Single. Single stolen base. RBI single. P3. Three-run homer. E5. F8. Two-run homer. Two-run homer. Double. A bloop, a bloop RBI double. Uh, single. Three-run HR, solo HR, solo HR, an infield single. Oh, 3U. RBI infield single. Totals were 12 for 15, five HRs, 12 RBIs, and seven runs. And Sunday, his stat line was two for five with another HR. He let off his 
his first at bat was in HR. So the final line for him in AAA for eight games, 39 plate appearances was 515, 590 with a 1.21 uh, on base percentage. He had a slugging. That's slugging. Yeah, slugging. One point two one slugging. That, that's like base. that's like peak Barry Bonds numbers right there on the slugging. Yeah. Nobody yeah. slugs like that. That's insane. Absolutely. So, but but before you go on saying, "Oh my God, he's going to come on, just going to just turn," you know, to be on fire. AAA in the Pacific Coast League is way different than when you get to the major leagues and everyone throws everything for strikes. Do I hope he does well? I, I just I, I want to kind of temper everyone's expectations with him because it's going to be great to have him back. But if he struggles for the first few games, don't start booing him at Petco Park because he will turn it on and then the team will be on fire and will be good. Right. But what so what I was seeing, you would you watch the highlights with the home runs and the home runs he was hitting. They were all middle middle. They were he was hunting fastballs and they served it up on a platter for him. But he's seeing the ball well. Um I don't think there was a single strikeout in the whole his no. whole time down there. Uh, he was playing pretty good defense in the outfield. I had somebody, a friend of mine was up in Sacramento and was at the game. And he said that his routes were a little bit adventurous, which you know stand to reason. Right. Um, but he was stealing bases. He was making athletic plays in the outfield. There was one where he, was, he like made a leaping grab and jumped up against the fence. And so th- the body is healthy. He looks right. good. And he was, he was feeling himself. You know, he was having fun in the messing around with the guys in the dugout and all that. So everything's pointing up for him. Yeah. Oh man. So now when he gets here, I just hope he can keep going, stay within himself and just be the guy that we love. Yes, absolutely. And, okay. uh, yeah. So, okay. Strike so strike three, three uh, on Sunday, knuckleballer, Matt Waldron has continued to struggle. He's allowed 13 runs and nine and two thirds innings in his first two starts, gave up six more to balloon his ERA to 11.93. The right-hander from the University of Nebraska is one of the few pitchers left in the game who throws the knuckleball, which he mixes with the slider and a known low 90s fastball. As interesting as the profile is, becoming consistent with a knuckler is very different. Very Quote, different. it is very hard pitch to master, and I think Matt is still searching for how to find consistency with it, said Wellman. I know he's frustrated, and all my hope is it picks up for him because he's putting in the work. Now, what I saw when I – he pitched one of the games that Tatis was playing in, yeah. so I was watching that game. And what I saw wasn't that the knuckleball was missing. It's that he couldn't locate his fastball. And so he kind of, he's got to work one off the other. And if you can't throw the fastball for strikes, good luck. They're just going to sit there and spit on that knuckleball. Yeah. And and with, with with knuckleball, like that's the, like it just says in here, it's the hardest thing to master. So giving him extra time to, to get it down, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if later on this year, if he starts to do a little bit better, uh, or even even after next year, where his numbers aren't that great, that he may even get a call up just to have him come up and see if it can work in the major leagues. Um, certainly, you guys got to give him that time to develop because it it's a tough pitch. Throwing a knuckle and trying to throw a ninety mile an hour fastball, even breaking into a sl- slider, is very hard. But finishing up with Yoman Rodriguez. Yeah, so Yerman Rodriguez, 25, uh, made one of the five errors at third base today. They had five errors in the game, geez. Uh, Taking his eye off the ball while attempting to apply a tag, but he also had three hits to push his slash line up to 372, 426, 605 in 47 plate appearances. Rodriguez has primarily played catcher and first base in his career, but has also played third base since the Padres selected him from the Blue Jays organization in the minor league phase of the Rule 5 draft in 2020. With Sunday's call-up of Brett Sullivan to the big league club, Rodriguez should get more opportunities behind home plate. Still, the organization is seeking to have him uh, in a more permanent defensive position because many believe in the bat. Yeah, 25 years old in AAA, and you're smoking the ball? Absolutely. Uh, all that, all the AAA stuff came from uh, John Conniff, who spent the last weekend in El Paso. That's why we had quotes in there, uh, and that's why it was uh, so well-written. So much respect and tribute to the <laughs> overlord. Thank uh, you. So, so to put a bow on uh, the Drew Pomeran story, he pitched one inning and uh, gave way to Jesus Gonzalez at the top of the second. I'm sure that was the plan all along. Just get out there, pitch an inning, and uh, take the boys out to dinner when you're done. Right, right. I better do this. The first question I'm going to ask the next time I go up there, what was the spread? So was, Joe Musgrove, he pitched spread? on Sunday, right? <laughs> yeah. But he couldn't stick around to take care of the spread afterwards. Yeah. 
Uh, so I think he sprung for Coldstone. I saw, right. and then he was going to arrange that later in the week he was going to take care of all of them for dinner. I I don't know if he's going to be able to go up there and join them. I knowing knowing what we know out of Joe, he'll probably make the way up there just to spend an evening with the boys and give them that experience. Yeah, I um, you know what I, I tweeted? He's not only uh, Java Joe, but he's Java Joe with Coldstone Java Joe. Well, yeah, I mean, you signed you signed that big contract, and then you go step into a single A ballpark uh, locker room. You know, you got to take care of everybody. That's yeah, just yeah. part of the part of the routine. You know, and everything that I saw up there was like he was just another one of the guys, and that's the great thing. That's a great humility. Well, so you you went about, up there that day, right? I, I did not. I did not, and I didn't even watch the game, but I saw some of the pictures, and it just it, you know, and they're just photographs, just snapshots. But it just seemed like he's just wanting to be another one of the guys. Um, go up there, have fun with the kids, do his work, hang out, and then bounce. Uh, he no, remembers no. He remembers where he's from. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I'm from San Diego, but you can find me on Twitter at Zippy underscore TMS. And I am also from San Diego, and you can find me on Twitter at SD Donovan. That is it. Go Padres. Let's go Padres. Have patience. Yeah. yeah.